To know me, you must first know my mother, Nancy Ann Whitney. More than anything else, my mother wanted to be an actress, a famous actress, which in the 1950s was all about being young, sexy, and available. She was all that and more. She had big blue eyes, alabaster skin, a heart-shaped face, a beautiful figure. She was just a knockout. But my mother seemed to feel there was an obstacle to her making it in show business in Hollywood. Children. And she had three of them by the time she was 23. My two older brothers, Dick and Brian, and me. The fact that we existed made her seem older than she was. Her solution was to have us call her by her new stage name, Whitney Blake. We were not to call her Mommy anymore. We were to call her Whitney. I think she was hoping if we called her that, people might assume she was our aunt or maybe an older sister. I can remember coming home from first grade, walking through the front door of our little white craftsman-style house on Indiana Avenue in South Pasadena, and calling out, Mommy, I'm home. No answer. I was confused. Her car was out front. I stood very still. Mommy, I'm home. But still nothing. And then I remembered. Whitney? Yes, dear. Her musical voice rang out from the middle bedroom where she kept a vanity table at which she'd do her makeup. Although I believe she had no idea about the psychological impact this might have on her children, now that I'm older I realized that Whitney was probably just giving us what she got. Whitney's mother was born Martha May Wilkerson. My brothers and I called her Mima. She was a scrappy, tough, smart, and wily survivor. She wasn't the soft, fuzzy type. She didn't coddle Whitney, and she didn't coddle me. Whenever I'd complain about my clothes, as girls do, Mima would tell me in her dry, crackling voice, When I was little, I had a red dress and a blue dress. When I was wearing the red dress, I washed and ironed the blue dress. When I was wearing the blue dress, I washed and ironed the red one. I didn't have choices. Mima was from Arkansas and married five times over the course of her life. She kept burying husbands, and sometimes I think there should be some exhumations to find out why. Whitney was only six when her real dad, Harry C. Whitney, a Secret Service man who guarded President Woodrow Wilson, died from alcoholism. Mima's replacement husbands came at such a clip that Whitney never formed much of an attachment to any of them. One of her stepfathers, Al, patented a fitting for oil rigs. His last name was Wells, ironically. He and Mima would drift from oil field to oil field around the country. Sometimes they'd drag Whitney and her younger brother Buddy along, just as often, Mimam would leave her kids behind, once with a couple of former missionaries and another time with her elementary school teacher. And it wasn't until the fifth grade that Whitney discovered drama class when the boy who was supposed to play Oberon in Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream came down with a case of stage fright, and she took over the role. From that day forward, Whitney realized no matter what school she was in, the drama department would become home until Mimam announced it was time to pull up stakes and move again. Whitney said that the nearest thing she had to real family when she was growing up were the casts of the plays that she appeared in. Whitney was instead devoted to her brothers and sisters of the theater. One story she delighted in telling was the time she was appearing in a Pasadena City College production that had a furniture dilemma. One scene needed a table, chairs, and a couch for the set, and none could be located. On opening night, Mima shows up to watch her daughter perform. When the curtain rises... She sees her entire living room set on stage. How Whitney managed to get the furniture out of her mother's house without anyone noticing is one thing. To reveal it in such a fashion required real chutzpah, which Whitney had in spades. So, in a way, Whitney's maternal model was someone who put her ambition ahead of her maternal responsibilities, and that's how she was with us. 
Dick, Brian, and I didn't talk about it much. We just lived it. It's what was. My brother Dick, the eldest, is very philosophical about her. He says, well, she did the best she could. But I think Brian and I took her actions more personally. They really shaped me. I had a strong sense of being abandoned by her, that she didn't want me, that she didn't want to be my mother.'